Hello and welcome to episode 46 of Fish Across the Ponds, a Marlins UK podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me for this episode, the originals. The boys are back in town. Lee Dobbs. Lee, how are you? Yeah, well, I'm as good as always. <laughs> of course. Dan Healy. Dan, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Pete. <laughs> good man. In the clean-up spot, Rob Newell. Where else? Rob, how are we? Uh, I'm I'm fine. I'm missing baseball. I'm growing a beard. Uh, it, 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 baseball needs to start again, or I'm going to look like Father Christmas by December. <laughs> I'd say just barbershops. <laughs> I, I did. I did a home haircut, as you, as uh, the listeners can't obviously see, but it uh, it's a little bit. Uh, You'd never uh, say U.S. military. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've we've just had Memorial Day, I think, like last weekend. So yeah, in in you know, in line with that, it is it is looking pretty military. Is that is that dog tags around your neck as well, or is that just your your headphones? Uh, that, that's that's my headphones. Uh, um, <laughs> And uh, the other thing that the listeners can't see, my background at the moment is uh, the 2012, uh, one of the opening days uh, from Marlins Park. That shows how much I'm missing Marlins Park. And I'm wearing a 2012 T-shirt as well. So um, <laughs> retro. And that's what it's about, isn't it? We've all been watching games from the past. Oh, yeah. yeah, we have. We have. Well, uh, you know, first topic, first topic of uh, discussion, guys. What the bloody hell have we been doing for the past? It's been two months, lads. Two months since we recorded. So, I mean, I can't even remember when we last spoke. But Lee, what what have you been doing to keep yourself? Well, actually, you've been you've been busy at work, mate. So, yeah, yeah. I've been I've been at work, but yeah, when I'm coming home, just just been been chilling as chilling as best you know as we can. You know, Netflix, the old PlayStation, you know, that NBA game, game was cheap, so I've, you know, I've, I've got that. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, been trying to keep, keep busy with, with, with things, but just waiting for, for baseball to start again now. Yeah. What's, um, have you watched any old Marlins games at all? Anything at all? I've been seeing some, some highlights and stuff, you know, on, on Twitter and things like that. But I haven't actually gone back. I know they've been been rerunning some old old games and games and things like that, but I haven't actually seen any yet. Well, it's uh, there's plenty there. What I've discovered, or with with my time, I've just started flicking on random games and watching them like they're live in many ways. Like I I don't actually know the results. I'm just picking some random games putting them on and just seeing what happens um it's been that's been fun uh for sure and as well i've been going back to some of the postseason stuff as well like where we we're obviously on a postseason run and i tell you one thing pro player looked nuts it looked incredible i mean it looked hard but it looked nuts (laughs) um that the man i mean you've got plenty keeping you occupied with with basketball also as well buddy but have you managed to kind of keep uh, keep abreast, let's say, of uh, of baseball related stuff? Um, I'm I'm going to have to probably start checking the rules again and how you actually play the game <laughs> and you know how many players there are and how many pitches get someone out and so. No, nah, no, nah, I'm not joking. I've I've been keeping on top of 
Marlins related headlines, um, MLB related topics and what's happening going forward and plans. I've been keeping on top of that in a sense. Um, I haven't actually watched any old games or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm quite lucky in a sense over the last two months where I've been kept quite busy with, with the Heat account, which has been keeping me uh, occupied. Apart from that, a bit like Lee, yeah, I've, uh, I think I've completed Netflix. Uh, my daily, daily walks uh, have, been, have been interesting, but it's mainly just to go to the bottle bank, you know, to get rid of all the beer and wine bottles <laughs> <laughs> with all the daytime drinking. So, um, yeah. so it's, it's got to that sort of stage. But uh, yes, like Rob said, um, well and truly uh, waiting and anticipating a return of baseball. We need it. Yeah, it, it would be nice as well if, if, like in other countries, there was a refund issued as part of a bottle return. You know that, <laughs> I don't know, 50 cents or whatever it is, you know, we'd. Uh, paid yeah. a mortgage. Yeah, <laughs> we're covered. We're covered. <laughs> Rob Neil, what about what about you, pal? How have you been keeping busy? Uh, very busy because I've got a, a newborn baby. Well, he's he's now uh, you know four and a half months old, so he keeps me up at night. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a shame actually because I would have been up naturally to watch baseball anyway in the <laughs> middle of the night. So, but there we go. Uh, yeah, I've got sort of three kids with quite big age gaps, so they they all have competing attention and a bit of homeschooling here and there but I've been trying to uh, watch the odd game there's it's YouTube's really good for uh, you know the uh, many sort of regular season games so I watched the game that I went to in May 2012 against the Colorado Rockies Stanton hit a grand slam into the the brand new uh, uh, scoreboard and broke that I, I was three and two bases loaded um you know two outs it was it was fantastic um remembering that atmosphere and remembering what it was like um that was that was just exceptional watching that i also have uh, watched the 97 world series as well i've been watching through the games there and it's uh, it's amazing to think actually when you look at that team and look at the history behind it that it wasn't you know especially if, if, if compared to some of the other teams that are about that year we weren't the strongest uh, by far, we weren't expected to go anywhere. Um, and seeing, you know, you forget about Craig Council, uh, you know, playing for us, and um, you know Edgar Renteria, and uh, it was fantastic to watch and that kind of spirit. And you kind of think, you know, we're, we're not a million miles off that now before COVID happened. And it's just quite good to watch that game and get a bit of perspective. Yeah, well, I. I... I tell you the the one the one standout for me, uh, I guess in terms of old games, I just flicked on. There was a Giants game uh, in the two thousand three season, I think it was. I've never seen any of the two thousand three at all. Flicked on game four, and uh, it was absolutely awesome, absolutely awesome. The the Marlins hitters were just on fire. Um, the D train. The highest leg kick I've ever seen in my life. I was expecting him to just start moonwalking off the mound at one point. It was, <laughs> I mean, what a team. I mean, they, the, the dudes just, they were just playing. They just looked full of confidence, absolutely brimming full of confidence. And they just, yeah, it was really fun to watch that game. Barry Bonds was obviously playing for the Giants in it and, you know, was obviously a huge threat and you could kind of sense that. I guess it's funny when you have that type of player 
in the lineup, in the opposition lineup, and every time he comes up, there's just a fear that you know he could he could turn a game on its head. But just watching the guys and uh, yeah, you know it was it was a very impressive lineup, and the guys are playing you know full of confidence. Pudge was just hit after hit, and um, Miggy was on fire. It was it was a lot of fun. I, I've really enjoyed watching old games and. I guess familiarizing myself with with Marlin's history because, like I shared with some of the guys on the other podcast the other day, um, because baseball's played on a daily basis, you have it's hard to go back and reflect and watch old stuff. Like it's hard to find the time because you know one game finishes, another one starts. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, right, guys. In terms of today, I think we just need to, I guess discuss and summarize what's been going on the past few months and equally kind of try our best to project forward what what we're likely to see in the next what two three months so lee coming to you first mate you know i love this type of question scale of one to ten (laughs) how how likely is it that we see baseball start again in 2020 uh, nine. Ooh, very likely. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think they will have to get something going. I mean, they see the. I mean, the NHL has now got a plan in place. Seems like the NBA is looking like late July to come back. And I think if they can come back, and you'd think baseball, out of all the sports, is the easiest one to come back, because the players aren't aren't next to each other. You know, there's no contact. You know, yeah, barely. So you think it should be? I mean, this year's outdoors. So out of all the sports to come back, baseball should be the easiest one to fix. But I don't know. They've got all this money talk and contracts, and it's down to the players. And but I think that will get sorted. And so yeah, I, I think nine. I think by the by the end of July there'll be a plan in place, and we'll have a what three month season, maybe eighty games, half a year, and then we we'll see. I mean. I guess the playoffs may be extended a bit just to get a few more teams in, you know, to spread it out. And they may have to play into November. You might have to play a World Series, you know, in a neutral ground, ground with like a dome or, or you know, something like that to, you know, to play in November. But, yeah, I, I think nine, nine for me. They, they, they will play. Solid nine. We're going to come to the financials shortly. Uh, for those who don't know, um, Rob Newell is is a qualified accountant in in well on a global scale. So we're going to get the full the full breakdown very very shortly. Um, but before he doesn't know this, so before we get to that, I'll let him prepare. <laughs> um, Dan, the man, um, are you are you in the same camp? Are we seeing baseball? And if so. We're going to, it's likely it's going to be a shortened season. So the, the key question then from a Marlins perspective is, um, does that does it help the Marlins, a shortened season? Um, I don't know, really. I think, like Lee said, I, I think 100%, I, I go as far as 10 out of 10, I think it would be criminal if we don't see a return to MLB um, this season. I think that if, if NHL and, and the NBA, which are complete contact sports, um, can arrange something to finish their seasons. Um, I, I think that, that baseball, it'd almost be embarrassing if baseball didn't. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think a shortened season, as Lee said, 80, 82 games, half a season. Um, does that does that Im- improve our chances? Um, it, I suppose it depends what the format ends up being. Um, if it ends up this talk about, you know, if it being aligned and um, we end up with this 10-team um, NL East uh, that we're going to have, then... Um, I don't think we'll do much better than what we're probably projected to do at the start of the season because it looks like a real tough division that we could be pitted in. But, um, you know, I just think it's uh, uh, what a lot of teams might look at this now is that it's almost a bit of an experimental season. What do they do? Do they maybe try some other things that maybe they wasn't going to with throwing some some team uh, players into development? Or do they uh, do they do they go for it? And do they, they think, well, this is a chance we haven't got to play uh, 50% of the games that we was due to start? So is this a better, a, a good a chance as we've got as any? It's, it's, it's a really interesting sort of flex on how on how teams are going to approach it. I guess the thing is, the the Marlins are going to be in it uh, mathematically for a lot longer. <laughs> you know, like they they won't be out of it in what I don't know the end of May or whatever <laughs> that we've been before. So theoretically, we could we could get hot, um, but you know the the reality is. Even if we do get hot, it's you know we're probably not going to have the firepower to progress in in any you know kind of major postseason run. You would assume. Um, the guys on on the podcast I was on uh, earlier this week, they looked at it thinking, you know, it's maybe good for like a young rotation, young arms to maybe protect the arms. And I thought that was a really valid point actually. Um, that that perhaps you know the young rotation they'll get their work in, but. You know, it's not going to be major workload, um, perhaps, as we're still focusing maybe on the developmental side. So, you know, some of those guys, I guess, are, are core pieces. But, um, Dan, before before I move on to, to Rob, I just wanted to just to go back to the, the basketball side, because um, what, what I'm not clear on, and obviously these other leagues are getting stuff off the ground, seemingly without issue. What's the financial side on the basketball? So, you know, how much of you know, what are the contracts looking like for that? You know, we're obviously having all this debate at the moment in baseball, but basketball, what do they look like? What's what's the kind of contract looking like for the Heat in, in, in general? Well, there's a lot of discussion about it because they think, well, um, what's going to happen with um, like the, the salary caps? Because obviously this is a massive hit for any sport. Um, that, that they've now got to take on board. Yeah, the salary cap was already going to be getting reduced uh, next season because of um, some defamatory comments that they made about um, t- uh, the ch- China and all the rest of it. Um, so they they pulled out a lot of their investments. So it was already going to be a hit. And now suddenly, obviously, with COVID, it's, there's, there's a massive impact. So um, I don't know really how they're going to tackle it. I don't know whether or not they must work out some structure that everything is going to be reduced, but they can't just sort of say, okay, it's going to go down to this amount now, get on with it. They're going to have to, they're going to have to work out um, some form of, um, of, of getting this down in, in the fairest way possible, because otherwise if teams are already over into like a luxury tax situation and now it comes down um, to uh, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, tax comes down, uh, the salary cap comes down, uh, suddenly these owners are going to be paying like, billions like almost in in penalties and so on so it's a real headache and this is just you know this will go on throughout all of sport you know i just don't know how contracts are going to work there's a lot of messy bits that have got to um that have got to, uh, be resolved but most f- first and foremost is 
you know, they need to work out a plan of action to return to some sport because if they can get some games being played, they can work out some sort of TV revenue package, some new membership playoff stuff, whatever it may be. And that's all that people want to see right now is some sport. And if that helps, then uh, that all helps towards people's caps and, and a bit of relief on that side as well. Mm. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. I, I just think it's just unfortunate for, for baseball in particular that <clears throat> the majority of other leagues or sports have found a way to make it happen. Uh, you know, we're all we're all aware fans aren't in the stadium. It's a revenue hit. You mm-hmm. can't get the tickets sold. You can't get the popcorn sold. You can't get the 15 beers sold. Like, that's, you know, it is what it is. But everyone's dealing with that. But everyone else is making things happen. Um, so I think that's the disappointing, you know, that's the disappointing bit for, for baseball that we can't get over that fact. But... Rob, with your financial head on, mate, before we get into, uh, we need to talk about the minor leagues. So we'll we'll come to that because I know that's a big passion of yours also. But with your financial head on, mate, I mean, really, as I see things right now, this is how things are playing out in my mind. Owners are saying um, playing baseball will lose us money. Every game played will be a loss with contracts as they are. So they're asking the players to offset that and take a cut with a sliding scale. And the players are basically saying, no, um, that ain't happening. (laughs) I mean, does this go beyond pure economics and financial peace? I mean, if if baseball were to falter because of money, I'm pretty sure that would have a massive impact on the the game in the future. Yeah, so not to bore everyone and uh, make people switch off but there are two things and it's, I'll make this really really simple so you have uh, any set of accounts has, has what they call an income statement uh, globally uh, and a balance sheet and it's the same in the states slightly different wording and your income statement is your performance through the year so whether you've made a profit or a loss and so what the owners are saying we're going to make a whopping loss because we're not getting any fans in um, we're not going to have any merchandise sales, all the food, all the other bits and pieces. Um, but we've still got to have, um, you know, uh, the groundsman there, everything else you need to play a, a game of baseball. So the, you've still got, to, you know, the cost of the stadium, the electricity, everything like that is still going to cost a lot of money. But you're not offsetting that by any fans coming through the turnstiles, any merchandise. So this year, massive loss. What the unions are saying, the players are saying, okay, you're going to make a loss, but how about your balance sheet? So a balance sheet is basically a list of all your assets, everything you owe, and liabilities, everything you owe to somebody else. So what they're saying is they've got some really rich owners with, you know, huge capital behind them, you know, these big stadiums, which like in the Miami point of view were kind of built for them really at, at, at not much cost. Uh, and all the rest of it, and what you're actually they're saying is that no, uh, actually you've got quite a bit of money stashed away, and you know you've been making profits over the years. Now because of this situation, how about you pay us? And um, just to link in the minor leagues with this slightly, so you've got quite a bit of controversy with like the the uh, Oakland Athletics, who are not you know just releasing massive amounts of minor league players, not paying them compared to someone like the Marlins, uh, like the Astros, who have committed to paying their minor league players all the way through to the end of August. 
And so you've got a massive disparity in what each owner is doing. But what you don't know, and this is where the argument goes round and round a circle, is actually how much money do they have? How much money have they got squirreled away? And is it the case that actually, if we did pay all our players full whack up until the end of August, actually we'd have to close this franchise because we'd, we'd go bust. The unions and a lot of the players are saying, that's rubbish. All these owners have got you know, massive money, massive capital behind them, and they can afford this. What makes me a bit worried about this, though, you're talking about out of 10. I'm going to give it a 7 because we've been here before. Obviously, we've not had a, a worldwide pandemic before, but we did have a strike in 94, 95. Now, albeit that ran from August to April, but that was mainly about the salary cap. And it's exactly the same argument. It was the, the, the owner saying that attendances are falling um, and we're not getting the money in. Uh, the costs are going up to maintain these stadia and we need brand new stadia, which has got roofs and all the rest of it and modern facilities and all the rest of it. You, you know, we, we can't pay, but you've got to have a salary cap where the players were going, actually, that's rubbish. You've got loads of money behind you. Pay up. So that's the difference between the two arguments. Well, well summarised, Rob, I must say, I, I was taking a few notes along the way also. Um, income statement, it's a new one for me. Um, balance sheet, I know that term. I know I'm typically heavily weighted towards the uh, the red on that one in, in, uh, in everyday life. <laughs> for sure. Um Let's let's just touch on the miners though um, quickly. Uh, for for me, uh, it looks it looks a very very me messy messy situation with the minor leagues. Like there's been rumblings like heading into like so pre-COVID, there's rumblings about reorganizing minor leagues, minimizing teams, reducing teams, all that type of stuff. And I think really. COVID's kicked in and, and this stuff's just happening. It's, it's, you know, owners are seemingly using that as an opportunity to fast track some of these decisions, let's say. Um, the Marlins, on the other hand, though, I must say, are coming out in an okay and a positive light, in my opinion, where they're continuing to support their minor league guys who, let's be honest, the unions they make as a minor league are a, a pittance and actually a, a, it's pretty horrific what these guys get paid um but either you know taking that away the marlins are, are definitely committed to their players and are paying them i think to the end of august they've committed to that the end of august for all minor leaguers don't think we've released anyone yet unless i mean i haven't checked the news in the last few hours but you know they've they've committed to keeping and paying which i think is a, a good thing um but from a minor league perspective in general, it seems like they're, they're, there's a shooting gallery right now in the they're seeing an opportunity to shrink it and save some money. But why? What's the driver to do that? Why are they trying to shrink the minor leagues? Like in in terms of reduce the number of teams, I don't truly understand that. There's a, a bit of backwards and forwards on this, but the the major crux of it, and we're going to link this into what I was saying before. If you take the Batavia Muck Dogs, which are one of the the teams that could be removed from this structure and this this kind of refined uh, structure um their average attendance is about a thousand twelve hundred so um 
so they get in attendances sometimes which are hardly anybody there at all. The, the argument is that a lot of these minor clubs actually can't upgrade their facilities because they don't have the owners behind them, they don't have the crowds coming in, the potential for merchandise sales. So what you've ended up having is lots of smaller clubs uh, or smaller teams in the feeder systems which are actually at risk of falling over and don't have those kind of facilities. If you have a streamlined system and you have clubs like modern stadium, modern training facilities, then that, in effect, will, will help the, the, the players come through and the right players come through. The other argument also, back, backwards and forwards, is that there's too many players in the system. So you get all these little snippets of, of reasons why they think that, that, that things um, are, are not working and why they need to change it. But the problem really is when you do that, if you remove the, the two teams at risk in the Marlins system, which is Batavia and Clinton, especially Clinton, which is really a kind of a small town, you know, family team. They, you know, on social media, you can tell it's a lovely place. You, you want to go there and spend time there. They've been really good with COVID, with sort of doing uh, food takeaways like you'd have in the ballpark, really engaged in the community. So you're removing something from that entire community. Clinton's never going to have crowds of like, like, the Los Angeles um, AAA team, which has crowds, which is in effect really more than what the Marlins did last year. You're never, they're never going to have big, big crowds. They're never going to have those super facilities, but they are part of the community. So if you remove them, you're removing chunks out of the community. The other issue I've got, and I know I'm going off a slight tangent, though, is that also if you slim the system down, that means your drafts are more efficient. Okay, so you have... You don't need to go down to, you know, draft pick 5,000 rounds, you know, 50-odd. But yeah. if you think about some players, not always your number one pick, like our, the issues we've had with Tyler Collick, comes through and becomes a superstar. And I was looking at this the other day, and you had Justin Bohr, 25th round, 770th pick. Brandon Kinsler, 1,182nd pick, 40th round for the Padres. J.D. Martinez, who sort of obviously be a huge Red Sox superstar, he was the 20th round pick, you know, way, way down. Ken Griffey Jr. And the names go down when you start going back through history of all these players and you think, wow, you know, if, if it was in this modern system where you had smaller drafts, they wouldn't have been picked ever. And, and it's like, that's the problem. Think about Trevor Richards. He never even got through the draft system. But the reason why he got an opportunity was because of the kind of uh, the, the ability to uh, these, like the, the Marlins would with Batavia or the GCL Marlins said, right, OK, you look quite good in the independent leagues. We'll give a, a little bit of a punt on you. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a few games, see how you get on. And yeah, um, actually, uh, just... One other player just in my mind, which just earlier talked about the 1997 World Series, another player who was a low draft pick was Rob Nen, and he is probably one of our best closers we've ever, ever had. Um, so we would lose all these type of players. So fundamentally, that's where the problem is at the moment. They want to make it more streamlined. COVID's come along. It's now an even better excuse to do that. But you've still got the problem, as you say, players are not being paid very much in the first place. And that's always been a problem. They're not unionised, so they don't have the power like you do with the MLB players where they can, you know, really, really enforce the owners to pay up. 
and um that what my really really worried about is suddenly we're going to see a few weak years where the quality of players goes down because you'll see players in these minor league teams who just give up on baseball mm. they just can't afford to, to to keep going they can't see the the the, the prospect of, of becoming a major league player and you might move, lose out on a ken griffey jr you might lose out on a jd martinez um you know that that's that's where the, the problem really is yeah it, it's good to shine a light on those players isn't it you know in effect, superstars of the game that were drafted way, way, way down. And I guess, you know, I get the counter-argument is, well, for every J.D. Martinez, there was, you know, a no-namer that never made it as well in that, in that range. So, you know, but that's the, you know, it's hard to project uh, future talent or future performance. I think that's that's you know it, it's just not easy to do when you're drafting kids out of high school or kids out of college and there's a lot of growing that needs to happen. But Lee, for you, mate, I tell you, just to just to come on to another, I guess, key change for the season, perhaps this year and moving forward. Just thinking about things that are being maybe shoehorned in at a faster pace. I I, I think if we do play baseball this year, we will have a universal DH think that that seems to be what's what's happening um just talk me through your thoughts on that mate is is it a good thing b which pitcher are you gonna miss hitting the most <laughs> i mean I, i've always been against the dh you know in the national league i think if they're going to change it they should take it away away from the american league you know, you know and make their their pitchers hit but, I mean, it seemed to be inevitable that he was going to come into the National League anyway, probably next year, you know, even before, you know, mm. all this started. But now it does seem it will it will come in, you know, if they, they do start. And I think it will then stay, you know, it, it won't go away then. So, yeah, I think it will come in and it will be here to stay, you know, which is a shame because I, cause I do like, like to see the pitchers hit. And I think... Uh, it's ironic that they want they want shorter games. Yeah, having the pitchers you know not hit is now going to make the game longer because there's I mean the runs will you know there there will be more be more runs scored, more hits you know more time taken out out out, out the game. So yeah, you know, it's, it's it's quite you know ironic in that way. Yeah, yeah, no, like saying it, it, it is always fun to see it see a pitcher rate. I mean we all we all loved when when Jose was hitting. I mean, and we've we've seen that highlight of, of you know Bartolo Colon, you know, yeah. you know like on 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 MLB TV so much now, but I mean, What's but it? but it, you know, it was such a good moment, you know, you know, when that happened, which you know, which we we'll, we will now miss, you know, we'll, you know when when the, when the pitchers aren't aren't, aren't hitting, I mean, the Marlins we're gonna miss, swings, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they're always fun. So yeah, for, for me, I mean, I I don't I don't like it, but I think it, it, it is inevitable now that, that that it will come in, you know, for, for now and then go going forward as well. Yeah, I I sit in the same camp as you actually. I I I like the pitchers hitting. Um, I I think it's interesting that the the thing that it's always been, uh, you know, when they made this change about the minimum three batters scenario mm. for pitchers 
And there was this uproar around that about, oh, that takes away the strategy and the specialism and this, this and this. But I thought, well, actually, the strategy around the pitcher and the hitting element of a pitcher is far, far greater. It has a far, far greater impact than one pitcher for one specialist batter. You know, that truly does change the game much, much more, in my opinion, than, oh, can we have a specialist left-handed pitcher for left-handed batters or whatever it might be for one out um, that takes ages because they need to go to an advert to swap another advert. Like, for me, that was a nonsense. But the argument was, oh, we're taking the the strategy out of the manager's hands. But really, I think the DH in the NL – has a much, much bigger strategic impact to the game, in my opinion. The way they use their benches, because they, the, the American League teams, don't, they don't really use their benches. You know, they don't need to. You know, no. who are your starters? Wheel them out, play. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested to, to see how that plays out. I, 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 hopefully, I get to have a chat to either Caleb, uh, hopefully Pablo in the next couple of months. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make that happen, where they can come oh. and have a chat with us. I think, though, from what you hear, a lot of pitchers, you know, they do like to to hit as well. So, yes, it's not like it's, it's, it's them saying saying no, 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 we don't want to hit. It's, yeah. It just seems to, 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 to be made up somewhere. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's to get more runs, really. But <laughs> that, 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 I know, but... That's what they want. Yeah, you're right, though. I mean, when you look at it, we've all played sports not at that level. But, you know, let's be honest, having a bat in your hand and the ability to try and hit a ball, it's yeah. fun. It's not It's not easy, and particularly not easy at a professional baseball level, but it's fun. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure that the pitchers, they enjoy it. And this talk of injury, you can get injured in any moment. It's much, much more yeah. risk for them throwing under a mile an hour than it is for, for, for trying to swing a bat, in my opinion. So, um, hey-ho. Um, it looks like DH is going to be shoehorned in there this year. We'll see how it goes. Um, uh, what about you, Dan, actually? I'm not sure on your view on the DH. I can't remember where you stood on that one. Were you a, well, a pro? Or... Yeah, well, I, I just uh, that last bit you just said there was exactly what was going through my head. I just thought, well, you know, I, I, if I'm a pitcher, even if that's my speciality, I'm still going to get excited about picking up a bat. And having a go, even if it's just wild swings, which a lot of the time that's exactly what it is. It yeah. only takes one connection. You hit that, you hit that home run. You're a hero, and that's something you're going to remember for a long time. So that was what was going through my head when you were saying when Lee was talking there, and you, you just highlighted it. I thought, yeah, you know, I'm I'm all for seeing pitchers having a swing at a bat. It's part of fun. <laughs> it is. You're so right. You just you know you take some wild cuts and you know whatnot. It is. It is fun. Yeah, well, it's. It's similar in cricket. I mean, I mean the bowlers, you know, bat. I mean, I yep. mean, you get some real bad, bad number elevens. <laughs> but it is, it, but it is, it, it is always fun, fun to just see it, just you know, you know, you know just, just having a having a smack and you know, a whack, you know, and it can be a real big, you know, advantage to have to have a good, uh, you know, you know, batter down there. And yeah. I think it's the same, same you know, in baseball. If you can get a pitcher who can hit, you know, who, who averages even 200, you know, it, it can be, be, be a huge help. 
Yeah, and you yeah. look at the people well, that have um, that, that like the pitchers that have been putting in a lot of work and a lot of hours to improve their their batting game. Uh, exactly like you just said there with with cricket. There's a lot of bowlers that will take that role seriously, and if they can add yeah. on ten runs to their team, that that may see them get a victory. And it's exactly the same. You know, you look at a lot of pitchers that are going to be if they can just get a hit, that might just get uh, somebody round to score a run. So um, yeah, it's a bit disappointing if they if they do away with that. Yeah, I, I think we're all agreed there, guys. And it, it is fun. It, it's a fun part of the game in some ways. But, you know, we'll see. There's there's a lot of, seemingly a lot of petition for that, to, the DH to to stick. But maybe maybe this is the opportunity for the NL guys to, I guess, experience it and then hopefully feedback and go, do you know what? Actually, um, we like it how it is. We like the... You know, the history of our league and how we operate and pitchers will feed in. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, I, I guess it, in terms of the the season itself, um, whatever it may be, if we get over these financial barriers, um, the, the health issues, I just want to touch upon that, Dan, briefly, if we can. And what I mean by that is we start up, Perhaps in Florida, how I see it working, the East Division, the new 10-team East, we play in Florida. Um, everyone's based in Florida. So we start up and um, everyone's testing frequently. Next thing is um, Miggy Rowe, Sandy, Pablo, Alfaro, they all contract Corona. Um you know, what happens next? Like, what 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 are they actually going to do? Do we just have a, a reserve team isolated away that just has to get rolled in to replace the team? Or, like, what is actually going to happen? Well, I mean, this is, this is the scary thought about any return to sport at the moment is that, you know, what, what does happen? You know, they can do all the testing and everything else, but if something serious happens and they get contracted and now... You know, God forbid, what you know, if something serious happens, like there's a fatality, what what happens? Does it, you know, th- does it all just get shut down there and then, or it, you know, that's the that's what they've got to work out first and foremost is if this is if this is feasible to do this safely. Because if it isn't, then it shouldn't happen. I've said that across all sports, even uh, myself being, you know, a Liverpool football fan. You know, we're on the brink of winning the title, but if it means that something's gonna, you know, there could be something seriously go wrong, I'd rather just cancel the season. But in terms of what would happen, you know. If things did, you know, if they, they have to isolate because of, you know, contracting the virus, etc. I read something about they're doing, um, you know, there's this Taxi 20. Um, they're doing like, they're bringing in 20 of the minor players that are on like a, a reserve list that can become, that can come in at any time. Um, one of you might know a bit, more, a bit more about that than I do, but I heard it being sort of called this Taxi 20 rule where they're saying that they're basically there's 20 players that are on standby that can come in at any time, for example, if something like this might happen. So it shows that maybe that they're thinking about that sort of scenario. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that they've got to be... I know money is huge and um, it's obviously going to motivate a return, but obviously the, the safety is the, the main thing. And if, if it can't be guaranteed, I don't really know whether or not this can happen, but we'll see. I think it's tough to guarantee it, isn't it? I mean, you exactly. got to look at the Premier League, and like, I mean, there's no guarantees. The reality is, the virus is there. Mm. The, the virus is not gone. So, 
we're all trying to minimise the risk of contracting it and spreading it, but it's here. Um, I mean, they'll 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 test it rigorously, often, you know, all the time. They'll, that that'll be you know sturgeon all the way through it, which is obviously it has to be because we're talking about. I know any life's the same as as the next person's, but these are you know these are elite sportsmen that have made it to the top of their profession that are worth a lot of money and that generate a lot of money. Um, mm. So um, yeah, the, the the testing is obviously the key to it. Yeah. It's you, we've seen it a bit with the, the Premier League guys the last what week or so, where they've obviously started rigorously testing guys. I guess to try and understand how the the land lies in advance of announcing that the season's going to start. And you've had like little pockets in certain teams where they have tested positive. I think perhaps Watford, mm. Bournemouth, maybe has been like a few little clusters of it and. And really, we've announced the the season starting, but I, I don't think we fully understood, like, for those teams, what their intentions are. Like, really, you know, are they... And some of the guys are actually saying, listen, I'm, I don't feel comfortable coming back. For my yeah. family, I've got kids that are, you know, maybe higher risk, blah, blah, blah. I'm actually just going to gonna not bother playing. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that, needs to be, that needs to be respected as well. I think if people are... They might be on the contract to play, and their contract will say they've got to play. But when there's a scenario like this, um, I think that the power should be within the person's um, own own say say for putting their own safety and their family's safety first. Health over wealth, I think, guys, is the uh, is the mantra that I've I've picked up. Um, we will see. I mean, that's I, I put that out on on Twitter. Maybe it's probably six weeks ago. It's a it's a long time ago, but I. I kind of had in my head, well, okay, we start up again. Mike Trout test positive for Corona. Like, what happens next? Like, you know, mm. the, does the league just shut down? Like, you know, the reality is, I think players along the way, if we do restart, they're gonna they're gonna test positive. Like, it's just what the protocols are when that happens, and mm. whether you can actually continue. You know, like you mentioned, maybe they've got this taxi team. <laughs> I mean, it sounds random. Um, you know, God knows. I mean, it's it's very, it's a complicated situation. Um, the virus remains. It is complicated. But Rob, what about you, mate, on this front? Because this, you know, away from the financial aspects, which haven't, you know, it's been murky. It's not been great. It's played out in public, but. You know, when we strip it back, you know, the health matters uh, remain a serious concern, I think, right? Yeah, the um, I think the, the way life has to, and I don't not mean just baseball, and, and, and Dan's right about, you know, major sports stars, and not just that, they, they, they lift, they give a lift to, you know, everybody, because you can watch football, you can watch your baseball, you know, you might not be there in the stadium, but at least you've got something to watch, something you can get involved in, something that takes your mind off the, the problems there about. Life will have to return to normal, we have to live with it. Um, there'll be restrictions, and you just got to hope that it gets to the point where life gets to the point that it's as normal as you can travel, you can go to games, and yes, there may be, you know, changes in lifestyle, hand washing, masks, whatever it might be, but at, at least we can, you know, that, that life will return to normal. This is one of the reasons why they've got to uh, get this season started again. Just get the ball rolling. And, and what Dan was saying about the Taxi 20, 
you know, if we'd had that last year, I think our taxi 20 would have been better than our uh, MLB team. Um, but, um, um, but, you know, they are really good ideas. And doesn't that then involve, this is the, where it's so confusing with the, the minor leagues. So why inconvenience them so much when it's at a point where you need them more than ever? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, so that's the way it's going to be. I'm just going to just quick comment on the whole um, DH situation. I think it's a shame, you know, uh, we've seen, you know, you know, Jose Fernandez being a great, you know, and he, he really wanted it. He he just wanted to go and uh, it, it had that kind of attitude, which was brilliant, that he was so fearless. And you do get Zach Grinke's another one. What a fantastic bat. If he didn't mm-hmm. pitch, he'd probably be a bat. Uh, you know, there's there's great players out there. Yes, there's some really really hopeless ones. You know, I think over <laughs> in Marlins, you know, Chen, Adam Conley, etc. You know, but um, um, you know, that's that's in some ways is a shame. But then again, if we'd had a DH, would we have kept someone like Justin Bohr? Would we have kept Derek Dietrich? You know, there, there's there, there, there's give and take. And there's sometimes it 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 adds a little bit when you think they have to tactically think so well because they think all right okay we've got bases loaded but we've got a um you know a pitcher coming up so do we actually lift that guy bring in someone you know a proper bat in -hmm. replacement or does that then inconvenience us in the future innings because that pitcher is doing so well so it's really, really interesting how they they work, uh, you know the, that, and that is obviously completely gone because all you've really got is a, a list of outfielders and a slugger, um, and I'm not sure that's as interesting. Um, yeah, just just one very quick point because I realised I made an error before. It wasn't oh. Ken Griffey Junior. It was Ken Griffey's dad. I wrote this on my notes and then didn't pick it up when I wrote down them. But the other the other ones I had was John Smoltz and Mike Piazza. We'd probably been better examples, but there we go. Because they'd be <laughs> just Ken Griffey Jr. was a first round pick. I don't know why I wrote it down and should have crossed it out, but there we go. I think from from what I can see visually, I think perhaps those notes were obscured by that huge pint glass that you've got, <laughs> 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 which is now empty as he's <laughs> demonstrated. I'm, I'm glad I talked about the accountancy stuff before I went through this. Otherwise, you'd have got a load of rubbish. This is it. We're going off. I mean, um, who? who, Let's just finish up on on the DH. Who will be our DH? Like, who? Who is that guy? I mean, you know, it can obviously flip flop around, but all of a sudden, just is it Jesus Aguilar just by default now? Is that the right guy? (laughs) Yes. What about you, Lee? Same. Uh, yeah, if I mean, probably yeah. And then Cooper can can move back in, but I mean, it might it would help our outfield situation a little bit, where where we seem to be crammed full of outfielders, you know, and only three three spots. So it would help. Maybe it might help Brinson to to get a spot, you know, on the team more. But yeah, it probably would be Aguilar. Yeah. <laughs> hey, just just on outfield guys, I, I I'm not sure if you've you've managed to catch up on on the podcast. Uh, that I put out with with Alex from um, Fish on the Farm earlier this week, but I know outfield looks cram right now. Based on his feedback, outfield is going to be as crammed as anything you've ever seen in your life. Based on what the Marlins system's looking like, I think we've got twenty five legitimate MLB starters in our system that play in the outfield. It was it was a real eye opener for sure. Um, 
Hey, I tell you, the other guy just on DH opportunities, the other guy from who who popped in spring training, literally, um, Encarnacion. Um, you talk about DH opportunities and getting guys in in the mix and maybe taking some at bats. You know, he sounds like you know he could be a good fit there too, like uh, just to come in and DH for a couple of games and you know just see what he can do. Maybe it could be fun. So I guess you know it could be in some ways a development path. Um, I guess though, Lee, when you look at the Marlins right now, the major league team, we're not ready to compete. We've our future is baked into the the the, the minors system. Mm-hmm. And by not having really any minor league action this year and a shortened draft of five rounds or whatever it might be, I, I don't think that really helps us right now. I think for me, we were going into spring training full of momentum. We've hit the block. Our player development's going to stop a bit. And equally, our draft is going to be shortened and, and curtailed. Yeah. I, I don't think this really helps us, right? Are you in the same camp as that? Yeah, because I think we had all the you know positive vibe you know yeah vibes coming in into the season that's sort of been been dampened and 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 like I say the players now won't be able to develop you know throughout the season players we might have seen come up in say August September probably won't we won't see now you know for this season and then maybe next season we won't see them now until August again so. For some of our players, it might have pushed back their whole career. You know, you know, like, you know like by like one season. Yeah, you know, some players, yeah, you know, they may have to, you know, you know, just like just just stop playing now. You know, yeah, completely for some. So I mean, this will have a huge, you know, impact on the game. Yeah, Dan, we'll round up on a couple of bits, mate. How you from afar, and we're we're not living and breathing it. We're not in the Marlins front office, but in your opinion, how are the how are the Marlins specifically handling this situation? Well, from only from what I've seen and read, um, we're doing as you already pointed uh, pointed out earlier. We, we seem to be doing things the right way in terms of what you know. What, what, this this has thrown everybody off, and all you can do is react. Uh, and, and come out of it looking as good as possible and, and doing the right things. And I think that the Marlins are, are showing, you know, they're still paying all their uh, all their minor league players. I think it's I think I think it's disgraceful that you could go and you could even think of any other alternative other than to pay your minor league players. They're not on a big big money. I think was it David Price who's paid out a thousand pounds to each to each yeah. M- uh, of the minor league players. You know, why is a player doing a billionaire's job? And you know the, the the Marlins are the Marlins are doing it right at the moment, and uh, I think that uh, to be fair to the NL East teams, I think all of them have come out quite rosy at the moment. They're doing the right things. So um, yeah, I think that um, uh, you know it, it is a shame uh, what's happened. Obviously, it was we was we was massively going in as Lee just said there. There was a lot of momentum uh, going into this season. I, I was looking forward more than anything this year than to see how these places were going to be jostled and the competition for places, that depth that we hadn't had for a long time was now was there. Um, and yeah, with these, with these minor prospects now having to almost put their careers on hold for a year, it is a setback. It's probably put us, put our plan back by a year at least, but um, you know, what can we do? We can only carry on doing um, just 
going through each scenario as best as we can. And I think um, hats off to Jeter and everyone else in the organisation because I think they have done so so far. Yeah. Well, let's let's finish up on on a I guess a positive note. And I want you to cast your minds back. I want you to think of spring training or the feelings you had. Just remind me. We'll go around the horn. Start with you, Dan, because you've got the mic right now. Um, who who's the player you're most excited to see this year? Um, I think Aguilar was probably the player I was most looking forward to seeing, just because I'm, I just couldn't wait to see some of that power. Um, I've also I don't know whether or not he was likely to start um, with the team who's probably going to come for the minors, but I was just really interested more than anything to see the progression. I was really going to look out for uh, the progression of, of JJ Bladé this season. Uh, that was something I was really looking forward to seeing because there was some real hype around him. So, uh, but I could, I could, you know, you could rattle off a lot of names um, like that. But yeah, I mean, from from a, a start off point of view, yeah, I was really looking forward to seeing Aguilar definitely um, uh, Dickerson as well. But um, yeah, I think um, I, I was yeah, I was I was lo- really looking forward to seeing the progression of of JJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I I I liked his. Don't know if you caught this either, but his his interview with uh, Seven Geff, uh, friends of the show, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, JJ had a good maybe half hour or so, maybe even more than that with those guys, and it was a really good in- interview. Actually, really good insight, and he sounded like a top a top guy, um, which was yeah. I don't think was surprising in many ways, but yeah, I like it. I like Aguilar as well. I mean, that's you know, he, he's, and based on what we've just been talking about, the DH, all of a sudden, um, his role perhaps becomes even more cemented than perhaps it would have would have been. Um, so, yeah, good good call. Uh, Rob Newell, what about you, buddy? What, what's, I mean, who's the player, if we get going, who are you excited to see? Uh, I was quite excited to see VR, actually. I know Stalin Castro was pretty decent at the, in the second half of last season, but uh, it looked like an upgrade. Uh, and looked like an upgrade of stolen bases, um, getting us more athletic. Uh, you talk about DH. Just imagine if you had VR being followed up by John Bertie, and you can put like I don't know Brian Anderson out in the outfield. You could be a bit of a stolen base fest, especially if you get Monte Harrison in as well. You know, we, we completely change uh, the way it kind of looks, and so that that was the interesting thing about how. I think we could, you were right, you can chop and change it around and there's always decent stuff coming through. It's the first time in my life as a Marlins fan that I've I've known that. It's always been really fragile underneath. A player goes down, it's like, oh, you know, it's a, sh- you know, it's a shame, but there's no one else to take his place. It's interesting, just, just going back and saying about what shame it is that we've not been able to see this, I'd rather be in this position than I would be, I don't know, a Brewer's. Or, or a team that have just gone and put all their cards in on winning it this year or next year, and have, have you know sold their minor miners uh, prospects out. I think they're in more trouble now because what are you there to win? A shortened season of eighty-two games, hundred games is going to be wild, and these type of teams you just want one one bad run and you're gone. That's yeah. that's it. and you'll find it wacky if they these double headers, uh, you know, your taxi team comes in, the Brewers taxi team comes in <laughs> compared to ours. <laughs> you know, it's 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 you know, it's 
you know, triple A versus single A, isn't it? It's it, that, that's the thing. It's a really um, good point. I, and I, I'd rather be in the position we are in now. Um, the, the other, uh, just going from the pitching point of view, because that was the other big, that was a big thing I was talking about beforehand. We really, really wanted to see um, what was happening with Sandy, whether he'd come in that superstar race, um, and uh, what was happening in that battle between Caleb, Jose, Urania, and uh, would Yamamoto make the five? Um, then we had some interesting prospects coming, not prospects, but Yimmy Garcia. Uh, you know, is this uh, another, like the Nick Anderson thing, was it another really good pitcher, relief pitcher we brought in? Uh, mm. we, we, you know, there, there was there was loads of things, but I think, uh, yeah, VR and, um, and uh, probably Sandy were my two. Yeah. What, what about you, Lee? Yeah, I was going to say uh, VR for me, you know, for his, his pace, I was, I was excited to see that. So we haven't we really had, had pace you know, for ages in, in our team. So I was excited to see that. I was also, you know, looking forward to seeing Brian Anderson again, fit, healthy. Because I've always said if he's fit and healthy for the whole year, he can get 30, 30 to 35, you know, home runs, you know, yeah, hundred, you know, RBIs. So I, I was excited to see him have have a full, you know, full year healthy. And I, and then like I say, you know, on the pitching side, you know, I was just excited, excited to see to see the whole rotation, and hopefully six to, you know, at some point he was like the one who one who who I really wanted to see come up, you know, and at some point, you know, early on in the season. So yeah, you know, I mean, we probably we might we might not see see him at all now. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see that. And, but yeah, hope, hopefully, we'll, yeah, when we do get get some season, that that we can we can hit the ground ground running. Yeah, yeah, good good summary, mate. Um, I, when I think of who I was most who, who I was waxing most lyrical about, and I was waxing a lot of lyrics. It's fair to say in, in the lead up to the season. And all the fantasy leagues are in. I was, you know, the way I was talking, the Marlins are about to win the World Series. But <laughs> I, I think the the one player that I was most intrigued about, I think that I'm excited about so many of the players, but most intrigued was Alfaro. And it's only because he has the tools. He absolutely has the tools. The new hitting coach is in. There's a pedigree there to turn tools into quality. And I, I felt like he it, it had that capability to all of a sudden Alfaro would just become a superstar. But equally, Jazz Chisholm for me. I, the feedback of anyone I've spoken to has been this guy is the real deal in caps, underlined with the tiger emoji next to him. Um, he, he is the real deal. And I am, I, I've become even more excited about jazz in the off season, just to all the conversations I've had. It's, it's got me, got me really excited. The other thing you may or may not have seen this when you're in out of the park baseball, um, which is, uh, basically football manager, but with baseball for those who haven't played it. Um, when you go into jazz Chisholm, his profile he's um from the bahamas but second nationality on there is english he's got the english flag on there second nationality for jazz i i've reached out to him already i've said jazz, yeah, yeah. <laughs> jazz 
you know that there's a podcast, UK Marlins, your, your second nationality in this game is saying England. We need to talk. So I'm going to make that happen, guys. I, I believe he actually played for Great Britain in the World Baseball Classic. So there's some sort of connection there. So um, I, I hadn't heard of that before, but I'm, I'm, I'm on it. You'll be glad so when, to know. So when's the jersey coming, mate? Jersey will be in. Well, I'm going to sing his career next week when the jersey arrives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you think of retro jerseys, guys, a, a Great Britain Jazz Chisholm jersey from 2016. I mean, there you go. That, that's the one. So, guys, that is the hour mark. We've just tipped into the hour, which I think is the perfect time to, to say our goodbyes, perhaps. But firstly... It's been awesome talking. Two months was too long. So firstly, I apologize for that, but it's good to talk. Um, I'm hoping we get some clarity on baseball in the next few weeks. And ideally, we get a season scheduled for July. I think that seems the most likely. So hopefully we do. And then we can get things fired back up. Um, have we missed anything, guys? Or are we, uh, or are we done for this evening? Good. I think we're I think we're done. We just need baseball back. We do, and our beers, are, we our pint glasses are empty. So um, let's go and <laughs> let's go and recharge. Lee Dobbs, Dan Healy, Rob Newell, the cast are back. It's been awesome. Episode forty six in the books, and episode forty seven will be very soon. Unsure who will be on there. It could be Jazz Chisholm. I'll leave you with that thought. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks guys and we'll speak soon. <laughs>